Marriage on a Tightrope supports couples in strengthening their mixed-faith marriage. Visit tightropemarriage.org to make a recurring donation and learn more about the mixed-faith community. Hi, welcome to Marriage on a Tightrope. This is Katie. This is Alan. We're doing this backward. We are. What are you doing? We are still married, though. Katie's never done the intro before. Good job taking initiative and whatnot. Yeah, we'll do it more often. (laughs) (laughs) We are very excited to be joined today by Justin and Polly Brown, our good friends. Uh, (laughs) How are you guys doing? We are great. Very well. We're happy. This is our first, uh, the first couple to come and actually sit in our... We'll call it a studio to sound. We're in of the course, studio. we're first to sound eloquent. Yeah. It looks like a cabin. It does with look this like a cabin. Right? Wood. <laughs> <laughs> Justin and Polly, we first met you guys. They were our, the first dinner we went to, right? Yeah. We first went to dinner with you, and we didn't win the contest, though. The other another friend did. <laughs> another friend did. <laughs> right. We brought some goods. You did. Didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We yeah, brought yeah. some baked goods. We awesome. did. Yeah, nice. Yeah. We went to Sawadee, some good Thai food. Yeah. Every time that was our first time there, and we've been there a lot of times since. Yeah, because we absolutely love it. Good. So everyone out there, uh, just know that we've now been hanging out with Justin and Polly for all, over a year, which mm-hmm. is crazy. And we truly are very good friends. So we're just geeked out of our minds to have you here. We Yay. are thrilled, super excited. <laughs> so excited. what made you? get to this point of insanity to want to be vulnerable and share your story it's been a long road right i mean we we you guys we talked about coming here with you guys before yeah Yeah. six months ago yeah five months some time ago november and without being too personal it created talking about preparing for coming and talking to you caused a gigantic fight between me and Right. Like, one of the really bad ones in our marriage. And we worked through it and kind of told you guys we might have to postpone or maybe not even just do this. I think this. I canceled. Yeah. <laughs> canceled a few times. Yes. We were like, oh my gosh, they made up some excuse again to get out of it. Now. But talking helps. Yeah. And that having that fight was a good thing for us. And it was the impetus to have more deeper conversations and and eventually it just led to I think n- not either of us changing necessarily any positions but just understanding each other a little bit more. Yes. And maybe it was an argument. Okay. That <laughs> was harsh. Fight, argument. Right. Yeah, there were no fists. No, no, left the house. What's no. that what's the <laughs> scale? Like a chat, a discussion, an argument, and a and fight? A fight. <laughs> it was somewhere between argument and fight. And when the kids are involved, it's a brawl. Nothing physical. <laughs> nothing physical happened. Oh, that's great. Well we're we're very excited to have you guys here. Uh, once again, I think I'll say that eight times because I usually I love it. We're I usually happy. do. So what you're wearing matching shirts. This isn't yes. a, a video yes, podcast. Are. So we they are, say peculiar on it. Ex- ex- Polly, explain <laughs> explain your sponsor. We went to the Pride Parade today, and we were able to march with some family members. It was so fun. We took our family, and we were able to join this group. Do you want to talk about this group? Well, we, we weren't aware of this group, but our, our family member introduced us to the people who organized it, and my understanding is is that it's a group called Peculiar, and their mission, I think, is to is to help protect, help raise awareness. I don't want to speak for them, but sure. basically their idea is there are too many of our youth who are taking their own lives, mm-hmm. yeah. and they want to create a group 
um, that supports families who have dealt, dealt with that or families who are dealing with that or families who may be helping families avoid having to deal with that. So it was perfect for us to go march with them, mm-hmm. which, which was fortuitous because we didn't plan it, but I have a very, we have a very dear friend who lost a transgender, transgender son mm-hmm. just last, last fall. And it was really, really heartbreaking. Yeah. Mm. So this was, we, I mean, we couldn't be happier to be helping support this idea. That's great. Yeah. We went to the pride festival last night and it's great just to see for any of you out there that are a part of your transition or part of the reason why you're in a mixed faith marriage in the first place is because of a trans or LGBT, uh, child that you have know that there are so many people supporting you. If here in Utah, I know that it's not the only city, uh, and Utah's not a city, but it's not, it's not the only place that, that is, uh, that is celebrating pride week and pride month rather. But it was really cool just to see people from all ages and all beliefs. And we went and talked to Mormons building bridges and mama dragons and dragons, dragon dads dragon as dads. well. So it was a, it was great. So yeah, we, we I think we got a lot out of people. it. Yeah. Tons it of people. Fun. We ran into tons of friends. It was awesome. That's great. Yeah. Well, let's talk about you because I know that that's, that's why <laughs> you're event. here. The main event. Is to, we'd love to learn more about your story and we'll try to be good interviewers and just forget <laughs> about the last year of our friendship and ask questions. <laughs> but if there's something that I act- we actually did forget about you, yeah, just... you won't know. We could just be interviewers and pretending we don't know, but we'll sure. see. <laughs> so let's go ahead and start with Polly. Polly, why don't you talk a little bit about like where you grew up, okay. your family structure, and your background. All right. I grew up in Sandy, Utah. Lived in Utah my whole life. I come from a family with six kids, LDS. My brothers went on missions. We went to church every Sunday, but my parents weren't very strict. We would go out to eat on Sunday. That's about it. I don't remember going to like movies or anything like that, but we could go out to dinner on Sundays, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was okay. That was allowed. Great childhood. Great family. Felt loved. All of our siblings get along. And I can attest to that. It's a great family. <laughs> what was the rest of your question? Jeremy's no, that's, cool. yeah. Yeah, that's that, perfect. That's my upbringing. So what, um, for those that are local here to Utah, what yes. high school did you go to? I went to Skyline. 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 It's Even a 5A school. I went, yeah. We're, we're serious <laughs> there. We're serious there. Yeah. yeah. I lived in Sandy, but they bussed us up there. They needed wow. students. So we went there. Nice. Yeah. What was your early involvement in the church like? Anything, I mean, what <clears throat> What was the church for you in your, in your youth. adolescent youth? years? Yeah. yeah. It was there. I don't remember any major moments, light switches, like, oh, this is it for me. This is Mm. why I'm here. It just was always what we did. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Always believed, always had a testimony. I got my Young Women Medallion Award. I went to church. I enjoyed it. I... Yeah, I was a good kid. Yeah. Lived in my sandy bubble. Happy <laughs> happy there. Wanted to marry return missionary. You made a list and Justin fit all of them. He right? was on the Checked list. all the boxes. <laughs> Where are you in the checked list of, of the six? I am 
Number four. I have a twin. We're four and five. Four and five. Okay. Yeah. So you saw older siblings going on missions and yep. going to college, getting married. Yep. They kind of have an example set yep. before you. Do you think that was an influence? Totally. Of yeah. just kind of it, whether it set expectations fairly or unfairly. Yeah. That was kind of like, hey, this I've seen this how happy they are. I see what they do. Yeah. 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 And the church. I'm sure we'll talk about this later. They kind of tell you how to live your life. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of rules. And we were talking about this earlier, like even down to how you raise your children. You know, you, what was my example earlier? I think you're baptized at eight. You don't date till you're 16. You go on a mission at this age. You normally get your patriarchal blessing at this age. Do you know what I mean? Like it's structured. It's very structured. And I just went with it. I think I'm a rule follower. I think it's helpful and for a lot of I people. I like that. Yeah. A yes. lot of people like checklists. Yes. Structure, knowing yeah. what comes next. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's I nice have, to know. Yeah, yeah. it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of guides you. Mm-hmm. I have one sister who <clears> is not <throat> active and she's welcomed with opened arms. It's not even a big deal. Daniel. Yeah. In your family. And, like, all the way from the beginning when she... Probably, I would say, junior high, high school-ish. I've never asked her if there was one instant that kind of pushed her away or if anything happened, but... But she also supports us and doesn't bash the church in front of us, or she's very respectful. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. good. So there's respect on both sides. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. Love my family. They're awesome. That's great. It's great. All right, Justin. Great childhood. It touches you, Justin. Okay. I grew up in Conwood Heights. I went to Brighton High School, and I grew up in an active family. Um, but my family had my family had a lot of nuance, always. Um, implicitly and explicitly, we were a nuanced family. So we loved the outdoors. We loved camp. My dad was a camping machine and so was my mom. And so summers we were camping a lot on Sundays. So that's a good example of some nuance where it didn't really matter that we were missing church. Now my dad did get called into the bishopric and we would come home, mm-hmm. you know, when he was in the bishopric. But like hunting season, my dad was gone. Mm-hmm. He just, he was a hunter. And so, um, really splendid childhood. My parents were really great people. My family are all good people. My parents both came from prior marriages. So there's some more nuance. So my dad's first wife died. And before she died, they found out she couldn't have babies. And so they adopted a a daughter. Mm. Um, And then she passed away. And then my dad met my mom, who had been previously married and had two kids and lost her oldest son to an illness and then divorced and then she met my dad and so then they came together bringing my dad's adopted daughter and my mom's son right and then they had three more my and i'm the youngest he's the the baby he's the baby baby. that's true my mom loves me the favorite (laughs) maybe so um so it was a great childhood um I spent a lot of time in the mountains. I spent a lot of, you know, my family. I had uncles who were drinkers. My sister, my oldest sister, my only sister, she 
she left the church when she was like in her early twenties, I think. Um, and I was a little kid at that time and, but we still loved her. She was a great person. Um, my oldest brother went on a mission and still to this day is a very active stalwart member of the church and such a good dude. Yeah. He's a badass. I love him. He, Mm. he, as active as he is, he's, he's so open-minded and he, he would, you know, I think he, he just really values the community and the church and he loves it. Yeah. And, and it's really good for him. It's clear that it's good for him. Then I had another brother who was a drug addict. Um, he had a, he had a traumatic head injury when he was like 13. And I think that set him off on, on a bad, on a rough path. And he ended up addicted to a lot of different drugs. And then my brother, who's just older than me, didn't go on a mission. So I, I don't mean to tell the whole story, but the point is like, you had all over the yeah. place. Yeah. So I had inactive okay. siblings. I had active siblings. I had drug addicts. I, I mean, it was just my parents both drank before I was around. I think mm-hmm. my dad smoked um, way back in his day. So we just never... My, I didn't grow up in a family that was that was terribly orthodox. Right, mm-hmm. right. We were very active, mm-hmm. but we were not terribly orthodox. Yeah. Um, talk about like your youth. Because I think you have a really interesting story of, like, your youth up until, like, you decide to go on a mission. So okay. So talk, talk, talk us through that. Okay. Yeah, I don't know how interesting it is, but... So, I grew mm. up in the church. I was... <laughs> yes. Sorry. I Coke, I, I'm sipping on the... They brought us some Sonic, man. It's so good. Anyway, it is so sorry. Good. Go ahead. It's okay. <laughs> so, uh, I, was, I was a fairly rowdy kid. Um, my friends and I were, even at a really young age, we were pretty rowdy. My brother, who's just older than me, we, we just were. We had a lot of fun. And, um, and it's a good thing we didn't meet until later, probably. That's probably true. You, know. you would have liked him as a youth. <laughs> he was pretty rowdy. Yeah. We've know. said the same We've thing. We've said the same thing. Like, it's a good thing we didn't meet until later. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so when I was, like, I look back on it now, and there were some time times that just didn't work for me in the church. So when I was 12, I was still going to primary because of the weird year change. Uh, Right. Right. And I was like the early birthday and, and my mom, bless her heart, recognized it and just offered to take me home with her every Sunday after Mm. sacrament. Cause she's my whole life growing up. My mom didn't go to relief society. She Mm -hmm. just went home. Right. Um, so and then when I was older, I went through. The, I was in the young men's program. It was fine. I actually really got a lot of value out of being. You know, I had a lot of friends in my ward or whatever. Um, but then when I was sixteen, I was really into snowboarding, and I got a job at Reams at the camera bar. It was awesome. And uh, that really dates you. Were you yeah. like? I remember going Renting to Reams. VHS tapes. Oh yeah, it was the best. Oh yeah. And so I had to work on a Sunday. And I don't remember. I thought it was like one Sunday a month or something like that. But the first Sunday came that I had to work and my parents said nothing. I mean, I missed church and they said nothing about it. Um, and it dawned on me, Oh, I actually don't have to go to church. My parents might not make me go to church. And I think somewhere in my mind, I thought I can just say I have to work and I'm going snowboarding. So then that was it for me. I, Literally, that was it. I was out. Just mm-hmm. not that I had left the church by any 
doctrinal or intellectual issue. No, right. not intellectually at yeah, all. I, I just was like, I'm going to go snowboarding. My yeah. friends are all going snowboarding. Yeah. A lot of them were. Right. So did that for several years. Kind of had like, I, I don't know. I think I had a pretty normal teenage life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were rowdy, but a lot of kids were rowdy. We yeah. partied. We did those things, right? And when I was 20... So I had not really had not been going to church at all for four years, more than four years. I had a lot of friends who were had who had either already gone on missions or who were getting ready to go. And this group of friends that we had and still do have were extremely close. We were super close with each other. We spent a lot of time together snowboarding and riding dirt bikes. We got way into dirt biking. I mean, we would go every weekend mm. to the sand dunes together. Cool. Um, we'd take road trips up to Big Sky, Montana for snowboarding. I mean, we just, we, we really kind of grew up together, as I'm sure a lot of kids do. Um, and so <clears throat> they were all going on missions, or half of them were, and uh, it seemed about half. And the other half either weren't members or decided that they did, did not belong in the church. They weren't buying it. They weren't, they didn't want, they didn't like it. Um, and so... I felt a little bit lost around 20 years old, um, and I had what I still refer to as a spiritual experience mm-hmm. where, you know, I, I got the insight that I should go on a mission. Um, looking back on it now, I think it would be easy to say I was conditioned to get that response. Sure. But but I don't know if that's true. It, it doesn't really matter to me. It, mm-hmm. it was a good response. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was kind of down and was struggling and I needed some help and some answers. And so I decided to say a prayer, which was not in my wheelhouse. It was not something that I was doing ever. And I got an answer to a prayer. What felt very much like an answer still does. Yeah. Felt like an answer to a yeah. prayer. From wherever it came, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can argue that it came from within my own head. Okay. I, it came from the universe. It came from God. I don't really care. It, yeah. it came, just know that it came. Yeah, and yeah. it helped me. Yeah. I went on a mission. <clears throat> you turned 21 in the MTC. I did, yeah. A little older. I met Polly like a month before, two months before I left. Ooh. Oh, <clears throat> we'll get to that. Okay, okay. keep going. And <laughs> yeah, tell us about your mission. I, yeah, I went on a mission, and I went to the Philippines, to the yeah. Tacloban mission, and I loved it. Mm. I would still, to this day, would not change it. Mm. I would not take it back. Looking back on it now... I, I, I can still say that in a lot of ways the mission saved my life. Mm. Having said that, I can also see, and I don't know if this is the right time to talk about this, but I guess the mission did help me a great deal. And mm. from one perspective, it absolutely saved me. Yeah. Um, you know, I I kind of thought that I was on a dark road and not... Now I look at it and say, no, that's not the right way to describe it. It's not necessarily that I was on a bad path. Or even on a dark path, but I wasn't on my path. Mm. Right. So I, I am an intellectual person. I like to study. I like to learn. I like to write. Um, and I wasn't doing any of that. I was mm. casually taking some classes at the community college and just wasn't reaching up to, I, I think, what my potential could have been. So <coughs> the mission really, really turned that around for me because... And I I was a diligent missionary, as I'm sure most missionaries are. I I was very particular about trying to follow all the rules. Um, I I kept a very open mind while I was on my mission. I didn't 
I never really was a believer that this was the only church that saved people or that the gospel was the only thing that would save a person. Um, and yet I felt like if, if I was going to go do this thing for two years of my life, I was going to give it everything and fall and, and follow the prescription. Exactly. Right. Mm. Right. So loved learning a couple different languages in the Philippines, loved learning more about the gospel um, I had this huge dictionary that I would like carry around from area to area because I loved my mission taught me how much I loved words and how much I loved language. And I wrote every day in my journal and I learned how to write well. And I love, I learned that I loved writing. I mean, it really was a stepping stone to, I think a lot of who I am mm-hmm. today. Um, I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't. I look back on it now and say, ah, I probably could be who I am today, or at least almost entirely who I am today, without a mission. I think that there are other ways that, that, you know, I remember at the time thinking, look at all, I had this group of friends who it seemed like maybe they were on this dark path with me, and none of us were going to school, and none of us, and then we had this other group of friends, and they were all going on missions. Yeah. And it was really easy to believe that those guys were doing the right thing mm. and that the rest of us were doing the wrong thing and that their life was going to be successful mm. and that they would have bounteous blessings, right? And that we would be not successful or that we wouldn't be blessed or that we would have hardships or whatever. Mm. Yeah. Um, looking back on it now, that's not true. Mm. Um, my really, really close friends who didn't go on missions are crushing it. (laughs) They are all such amazing people and live very fulfilling, happy, healthy, fantastic lives. Wouldn't you agree? So does the other group. Oh yeah, of course. Of course. The kids who all went missions are all amazing people too. I'm just saying it didn't quite turn out that way. The correlation is, yeah. Right. What you thought in the beginning. What I thought was causality was not. Was not. So you're not saying that 99.8% of the population is (laughs) unsuccessful? (laughs) Right. Fair enough. Exactly. That's a fair point. (laughs) So anyway, the mission, having said all that, I'm not trying to knock the mission. It was a wonderful path. It was a wonderful life choice for me. Changed me. Um, I loved it. Awesome. I think most people we talk to also just agree that you usually, generally, they have a really good... They ha- don't you think that they have a good experience on the mission and yeah. it shapes them? Yeah, for the most part. For the most, for the most part. part. I'm in the same boat. Yeah. In the same boat. I was a C student before the mission and an A student after. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it teaches you a lot of good things. It does. And then we had kids and I was back to a C student after that. <laughs> C's get, de- <laughs> yeah, get degrees. C's get degrees. Yeah, with him. And, oh, that's right. And it, I, yeah, I have yeah. to say it, it did help. But. Yeah. Okay, okay, let's so go to we, Polly. Yeah, we're going to go back to Polly because you said a month before you met. So how, Polly... How did you meet? Stories. Oh, this yeah. is a good one. Yeah, I want to hear about you. And I, I don't know if you do. And I want to know, too, like, did you wait for him if you knew him before? So go ahead and tell the story. Well, not wait. Was there already a wait? If it was only a month before. Like, you guys, we were the typical young Mormon couple. Yeah. Okay, what does yeah. that mean? How did you meet? So we have a bunch of mutual friends. It's crazy we didn't meet before. I'm and this sure is pre-Facebook. This is pre-Facebook, <laughs> pre-cell phone, like crazy, crazy, right? Yeah. Um, we have mutual friends, and we all met up one night and went to a dollar movie, Tightwad Tuesday, right? Yep. At a friend's house, and I remember seeing Justin, 
lots of people there I didn't know, but I was with my girlfriends, and I remember seeing him, and I was like, oh, who's that kid with the curly hair? Mm, delicious. He's so cute. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have curly hair anymore. It's <laughs> I keep trying to get him grown out just a little bit to see if he'll curl, but he can't handle it, so he cuts it. Um, go to the movie, whatever. This was a Friday night. And then the next night, Saturday, we do what we always do. Disco roller skating at Classic. Right? As one does. Yes. Of course. I mean, it's no question what you do. We go. There he is again. And not only is he there with his curly hair, you should see his moves on skates. <laughs> you guys. All right. We that's a date night. Oh, we're that's doing, the next date night. Should go. Classic. Yep. He like tips his hat, spins around like <laughs> amazing. So I'm there just dying. Please tell me it's a fedora and not like a baseball hat or something. No, it's a... <laughs> One of those British caps. I don't know what you call them. Yes. Like the yes. golfers. Grandpa's uh-huh. wear golfing yep. those. Yep. Love it. It's the best. <laughs> so cute. So he asked me out. And the rest is history. So it's a good story to say we met disco skating. And this this is all before the mission. Pre-mission. This was okay. pre-mission, just a couple months right before he left. And I think we spent a lot of time I together. seriously think we hung out like every day. Yeah, it was crazy. It was and, awesome. We and just was clicked. there like a promise? Like, oh, I'll write you no. while you're gone? No. Nothing. It was a no, nothing. good luck on your mission. Yep. Maybe I'll we'll see write. you. Yeah, I mean, we'll we write. I mean, and we, we were, did. Yeah. We wrote really well, I think, for about a year. And then kind of tapered off. I dated a little bit while he was gone. But nothing too serious. I mean, I was sweet 16, quiet. I don't know. So, okay. He, you're, like, dated every you were 20. Person. Well, you're about to turn 21. Also Let's some not talk experiences, about ages. Right? Hold yeah. on. You just let it out of the bag a little bit. Yeah. So you <laughs> were 16 and you were 21. <laughs> no. I was sweet 16, never been kissed. Okay. And uh, I feel like he was we're me- we're two years prior to meeting me, you were sweet 16. Yes. I, my point is <laughs> we wrote really well and I dated a little bit, but not really. Like I wasn't dating, kissing boys all the time. This guy, on the other hand, he was, like, making out with everyone. <laughs> anyway, so we wrote really well for about a year, and then it just kind of tapered off. And then I got, I heard through friends that he was coming home. And someone's like, we're going to go to his house, you know? And I'm like, I'm like, okay. And I wasn't dating anybody at the time. So I remember going, and there he was, and just picked right back up where we left off. She wrote her phone number down and put it on that piece of paper for me. Aww. We were so wait, what year was this? This was... 01 is when I came home. He like came early home January, 01. January. We got married in June. Whoa. Nice. And we've been married... This June will be 18 years. And let me just say, it was crazy. It was just easy. Yeah. We didn't ever break up, get back together, fight. Like, it was just easy. Like, we just fit. It was just really, really cool. Yeah, it was. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So, okay, you get married in, did you say 2001? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And let's talk a little <laughs> bit about when kids came. Polly, yes, you want to talk Yes, we about didn't that? have our first child till 2005, mm-hmm. which is good. We were babies, and we had a good chunk of time to be together. Yeah, four years. Yeah. Yeah, that's It good. was perfect. Mm-hmm. It was. Yep, and we had our first daughter, and then... So I was 23, Polly was 21 when we got married. When you got married? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I turned 21 two weeks after two weeks later, but I would never admit I was 20 when we got married. No way. Oh my gosh, that's my Especially mom. Especially not to your daughter. No yeah. way. That's my mom. I was like, I was, it was two months before my 20th birthday. 
a yeah, few, but you a were few s- months shy. You were still shy 19, 15. Mom. <laughs> <laughs> 19. <laughs> but saying 20 is crazy. Yeah. No way. Right, right. No way. So thank you. You're <laughs> First daughter, perfect. Angel, sweetheart. Three yeah. years later, another daughter. And then I have hyperemesis when I'm pregnant. What, so, so I know what it is. Um, so dehydrated, can't keep water down, just in bed on ice so all day. So having Ellie almost, I mean, it was bad. It was the really, really was bad. bad. Yeah. yeah. Like home IVs, she had a seizure once from being so dehydrated. Mm-hmm. Oh, like man. It was really terrible. The princess, Kate Middleton, that's what she has. Yes. I hmm. started it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you started it. I had it before. It was cool. First, no. <laughs> so yes. Okay. Horrible pregnancies. We had our first baby and then... <clears throat> We waited three years and had another one. I wasn't as sick, but I was nervous. We knew we wanted more kids, so we took a big how break. Five years. Five years, and then we had a little boy, sick again, crazy sick, crazy sick again, crazy sick. It's so it's horrible, you guys. Mm-hmm. And then we were done. Two girls and a boy, perfect family. We seriously have the best kids ever. They're amazing. And then Atticus turned four. four, and we said, wait a minute, are we done? Something's missing. No, he turned three. Missing. Someone's missing. Someone's missing, because we had all the pets we needed. It wasn't a thing. It was. It was oh, my gosh, you guys. Yeah, your pets, like <laughs> my kids, are, it's their highlight to see pictures or go they to your house. Best. They've Name got, farm. well, the Pat. farm's gone now, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll talk Pat. about that later. Best pets ever. Yes. So, but I didn't want to get pregnant again. He didn't want me to get pregnant again. It's not only hard on me, but it's hard on Justin and yeah. the family. You sure. know, I'm not, I can't do anything. So we looked into adoption and we were so crazy, lucky, blessed with how this turned out. Do you want to talk about Yeah, tell us Sure, about yeah, adoption. we found, we were just, we wanted to adopt. We Because of my mission in the Philippines, I always wanted to adopt. And Polly always, we both kind of just have a special place in our heart, if we could say that, that we always mm. wanted to do that. Yeah. Um, but Atticus was... But then you was, have your own kids and you kind of just... And laugh. we were starting to get older and Atticus was three and we were like, do we really... I mean, all the stories we had heard is that it's two years, maybe longer on this, these waiting lists to try to get a baby. And the church wasn't doing adoptions anymore. No. Right. Right. And then we thought, okay, so Atticus is going to be five at least. Do we really want to be that old when we have a baby? And we just lucked out. We were down at the pool in St. George and we ran into this amazing woman who was super blonde and white and had a couple of black kids running around. And so we just struck up a conversation with her, you know, and said, you know, as we're prone to do, like just start talking to people. And she, she explained, she, she had just started a business to, that helps adoptive or adopting parents, um, get through the process because the adoption agencies are all about the adoptive mothers Yeah, because that's their product. I yeah. hate to say it that yeah. way, but that's where they make their money. Yeah. So this girl, Liesl, she was so awesome. She just said, no, you guys might be able to get a, a baby in six months. So we just signed up with her and let her help us, and she was so awesome, and we went through an adoption agency. And it was less than a year. It was less than a year. It was about a year, I think, maybe. Yeah, yeah you're, you're less, probably right, a little less than a year. And then we... wasn't easy. We flew <clears throat> to... Chicago. Chicago to pick up <clears throat> twin boys. Gary, Indiana. Gary, Indiana. 
Which yeah. is really as ghetto it's as you've heard. It's really scary. <laughs> is it? Very, very scary. Like vacant buildings. It's crazy. Wow. Scary. Crazy. That fell through, which was so sad. Heartbreaking. So sad. Like you mm. love. So these you went be thinking that you were going to get coming twins. home with twins, and, and I'm a twin, and I was like, "Oh, this is meant to be," you know? Yeah. And it just didn't work out. Was it a change reasons. of mind? No. It kind of had to do with the state mm. of Indiana. Yeah, the the agency should not have sent us there. It's. Yeah, they knew that it was a, a long shot. Taste in our mouth with them. Yeah, but it, it all—I mean—it ended well. Well, the birth mom of Ziggy ended up living with us for a few months. I got to be in the delivery room. We are close with her. She's like my oldest daughter. We talk daily, and yeah. So now we have our Ziggy boy, who's two, mm-hmm. and is—he is so cute, so cute. And oh his mom, God. his his biological mom, is getting married. Wow. Oh, wow. She asked and Justin she, yeah. to walk her down the aisle in December. Oh my gosh, goosebumps. Oh, goosebumps. So oh, that's so sweet. In December, you said? Yep, yeah. December. Oh my Luckily, word, that's So we kind of feel like we got two for one. Like we just. I mean, she's so awesome. She, it just, it just again, where, worked out perfectly. Like too easy. Yeah. It's just Where did she awesome. live? She's in Virginia. She was from Uganda, the birth dad, Sierra Leone. Mm-hmm. And he's now a good she's guy in too. Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And getting to know her better, this is kind of funny side note, she's Muslim, family, very strict Muslim, and I would stay up and just talk with her all day. She was living with us. We just, just, I just wanted any information I could get from her. I didn't know how open the adoption would be. And we start talking religion. And she's like, yeah, my dad had four wives, and we do this and this and this. And I just was looking at her, and I went to bed that last night. Because you think of Muslims as extreme, right? right? Like... Whether that's fair or yeah, not. Yeah, whether it's yeah. fair or not. Like, you kind of just, that's what you think. And so I went to bed that night, and I was like, Justin. He's like, yeah. And I'm like, Mormons are a lot like Muslims. I'm like, this is really weird. I think you said to me, you were like, we're weird. And I was like, <laughs> what other similarities did you see? Like, what else? Yeah, besides polygamy. The no alcohol, mm. polygamy, dress. Yes, they do cover more. But modesty, modesty is a big right, modesty. Is yes, big thing. at least it was to her family. We don't know yeah. if it's fair to generalize that all. Yeah. Just talking from her experience sure, in Africa. Experience. Yeah, yeah. But the polygamy thing got me. I was like, "Oh, your dad has four wives. Mm. That's crazy." Yeah. Anyway, she's wow. a sweetheart. So that's, that's our family. So that's our fourth baby and our fifth, I guess. We've yeah. got those, you know, Ziggy and Nigel. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so. <clears throat> Let's talk a little bit about Justin. Take us through. I uh, we always say we hate talking about saying faith crisis, but sure. like tell us a little bit about the beginnings of that and yeah, what year was that? Take us through that. Okay, so I think the best way to <clears throat> to describe how that began, I think Polly actually described it best. We went to <clears throat> one of the Mormon stories retreats. Um, one that they did up in Park City, and wait. So, were you already listening to Mormon stories? Like, how did you know about it? Yeah. So, the Mormon stories retreat was just a couple of years ago. So, but I'm been saying at, for a long time. For a long time, yeah. But at that retreat, they ask you to introduce yourselves, and Polly stood up to introduce us. And what she said was was really interesting, and I think she nailed it. She said. You know, I'm Polly, whatever. She said, Justin has been going through this since we got married. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> that really hit me because she was right. And I hadn't thought about it that way. 
So when I went on my mission, I, I had this spiritual experience when I was 20. And then I went on a mission a year later. And during that year, I was mostly focused on preparing for going on a mission myself. Like leaving friends, raising the money. Um, I had to sell a car that I owned. Which, by the way, I would never sell that car now. <laughs> it was a 62 still, Cadillac. Still I'm still a little bit about it. About it. Um, <clears throat> but I, I, was, I wasn't doing a lot of studying the gospel or the church's you know, doctrines or policies. Um, and I, like, I went on a one-month-long backpacking trip that year, which was huge for me, helped me a ton. Anyway, to your point, when I got home from my mission, I hadn't had a lot of time to learn anything but what's in the Book of Mormon in the Bible and the, and the, the manuals and the missionary things that they give you. We had some books in our mission in the Philippines. I read Miracle of Forgiveness on my mission, which was <coughs> terrible. Um, well, sorry, I'm not trying to be rude. Book, it's, it's brutal. Um, and I, I read whatever I could, whatever I could get my hands on. I'm a voracious reader. I love to read. I love to learn. So I read a lot, but when I got home, it was like, oh my gosh, look at all these books I can read now. And I enrolled in, you know, institute classes, learning, you know, church history institute classes, met an amazing professor, John Peterson. He still works there. I talked to him a couple of years ago. And I just was, I just dove right in. And I learned, frankly, right after my mission, a, quite a few very unsavory things about our church's history. Yeah. But I was in mission mode. You know, I, I was, I was able to learn those things and see those things through a, a lens that didn't mean I had to leave the church. Mm. It, it, none of it, you know, like I learned about the Peepstone and I learned about, you read Rough Stone Rolling. I read a Rough a Stone Rolling ago. a long time ago, yeah. like oh three, I think, or something wow. like that. Yeah. So I learned a lot of those things that you find in those books and, and they just didn't, they, it, the church never was like a black or white thing for me, so it, it didn't really shake my faith. It just, mm. in fact, I think it might have made me more faithful in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. um, John Peterson was instrumental in that. He was really good at kind of helping me understand that that things aren't black and white, that things are gray. He wasn't afraid to show, you know, to talk about the paradoxes that we right. find in any religion. So... That's probably when it started for me because mm. I just started studying and learning about that stuff right then because I just wanted to know. Um, so when did it come to a head? Yeah, because at it, some it, point... Learning, I mean, you said learning kind of helped build faith or more of an understanding. At some point it starts to yeah. collapse and a book falls off a shelf. <laughs> <laughs> He's showing us his tattoos, which yeah. we'll talk okay. about. <laughs> so, I mean, the problem is, is that... I, you know, I don't want to tell a super boring story. The, the bottom line is I, I lived that way. I think I, I kind of wrote out just in my mind a little timeline. 01 right after my mission to about 2008. And I graduated from the U in 2005. I studied English and I got another degree in political science. Um, I really loved history. It, it just all worked. And so I, my, my Mormon history studies really slowed down in 05. When I was no longer going to the U, I had started a business. I was crazy busy. We had our first baby. Like, I didn't have a whole lot of time to be studying Mormonism anymore. Right. But then in 08, we had Prop 8. 
happen. Yeah. Right? And I think Polly described this earlier today. It kind of got the wheels turning. For me, at least. And I think probably for Polly, too. She's nodding her head. Like, But that didn't... To me, I kind of came away from that experience thinking, well, I don't know. You know? Like... I, I was, it was very easily, easy for me to justify that. Yeah. Looking back on it now, I do think that by then, seven years home from my mission, the, the church, the promises that I was kind of hoping for or expecting or had been told I would, that, that would come to fruition from being very active in the church, a lot of those promises weren't really working out for me. Mm. Um, uh, maybe, maybe that's not fair to say, but. Yeah. Like, th- I mean, specify what like promises. Um, yeah, I probably need to walk back that, that back a little bit. What I mean is, is that the act... So I was never a terribly orthodox person. I still was okay to go shop on Sunday, for example. Mm-hmm. I was never weird about wearing garments, you know, while playing sports. or I mean, None of that stuff was really... A letter, like, letter of the law stuff was never a big deal to me. Mm-hmm. Probably because of my family. Um, but I just, looking back on it now, I, real, I, I can see that it kind of wasn't working for me. It wasn't making me terribly happy to be that active. Mm-hmm. Like, I wasn't getting a lot of out of trying to go do in my home teaching. I, I just wasn't getting a lot out of it. I didn't get a lot out of three hours of church every week. Polly and I went to the temple when we first got married. We were at the temple, what did we say? Like, every month. Mm-hmm. And I remember one month we went every, every week. week. Wow. I mean, we were really all in to try to, like, yeah. get the most out of this. And... I think by 08, I was just starting to feel, I don't think I recognized it then, but looking back on it now, I think it was a lot like when I was 16 years old, I kind of felt like something wasn't quite right for me. And then Prop 8 happened, and I justified that away and didn't really want to look at it terribly deeply. Um, And then I had a very dear friend who, like, I'll cry if I talk about this guy, because I love him. Um... He had a really traumatic, some traumatic things going on in his own life with his own family, and he has a gay sister. Mm. And she was an angel to him and his family. Um, And he, we were talking about Prop 8 and Mm. uh, and these political ideas around homosexuality. Mm. And he's such a good friend, instead of saying, Justin, you're an asshole and this is ridiculous... He was like, okay, well, I just think you need to meet my sister. And I said, okay. And so we got together with he and his sister. And I don't know if it was planned this way, but eventually we ended up spending some time with her. We went boating together. So we're on a boat, in a car, and then in a boat, and then in a car again all day, basically, right? And we really got to know this woman. And by the end of that day, it dawned on me, I I need to rethink this. I need to rethink my church's stance on my stance. Yeah. Yeah. I need to rethink my stance, which is the church's stance on, on LGBTQ people. Like that's all there is to it. So I did rethink it. And then what happened again, I don't want to draw the story out too long, but it's, it's kind of a complicated process because it went on for a long time for me. So after I realized that, I just decided, well, the church is just wrong about that. Mm -hmm. So I had studied a lot of history. You know, I knew about some people who had been excommunicated a long time ago for exposing things 
about church history. I, I knew some of this stuff, and I realized, but I also knew that David O. McKay said that uh, the priesthood ban was a policy. He said that back in the 50s. So I kind of took all of the perspective I had gained from history that, come on, prophets are fallible. These leaders are fallible, and mm-hmm. it's they can be wrong about the gay issue. I feel like that's a standard Mormon answer. They're just men. Sure. We you know? can't. We shouldn't expect them to be perfect. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, and I said some of that to myself, too. And frankly, I think it's a really good answer. Mm-hmm. Because they aren't infallible. Mm-hmm. Right? So... Have you heard? Have you heard the couplet of Catholics believe or Catholics say that the Pope is infallible? Yeah. But don't believe it. And Mormons say their leaders are fallible, but they but don't believe they don't, it. Yeah, <laughs> In, and I, I've often said that we say all the time that our leaders that the prophet is fallible, but in practice, we do not treat him that way. Yeah, what right. he says is prophetic always. Anyway. So I just kind of thought, you know what? They're just wrong about this. And Pauline and I, I think, I don't want to speak for you, but I think we both just kind of thought, that'll change. Yeah, they'll get on board. That'll change. change. So at the same time that, I mean, Justin's like, I mean, you two meet this awesome woman together. Yeah. And then you talk about it and you're feeling the same way as Justin. Yeah. 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 The church loves everyone. It'll all work out. Let's go to church Sunday. You know? Right, right. And I could okay. get I could get into you know I don't want to come across bitter in any way. Um, I don't I I have a very deep respect for Polly's family and for my family, and I say Polly's family because I think they are more active than most of my family. But I, I just have a lot of respect for people in general who are believing Mormons, yeah, who are believing members of the LDS Church, and I do not want to say something that intentionally hurts another person's faith. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to say something that might intentionally... I want to be careful, mm-hmm. is right. what I'm trying to say. Right. But you, you could look into that, and, and you could be super critical about the way the church was handling the gay issue after Prop 8, yeah. and prior, and now, and that it was very kind of like a waffling position. And, you know, I just saw my way through that. As, look, these guys are fallible, they'll come around, I love the church. I saw the church at that time as something that saved my life. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I do want to say we love our neighborhood, <clears throat> oh, loved yeah. our ward, yeah, loved everything. Like, that wouldn't have kept, at that time, either one of us from not going to church. No. Yeah, we were happy. Yeah, so you're comp- happy there. You're yeah. compart... Compartmentalizing. Yeah, yeah, that's what you're doing. You're you're sticking it. Oh well, it's gonna go over here for now because everything else is great except yeah. for this one thing. Okay, yeah. So so how so how does your going. how does your shelf get heavier so from there? That's what oh eight oh nine. That goes on for several years, um, and then again, my dear friend, who you know, my very good friend, who kind of challenged me on uh lgbtq issues Mm -hmm. he he sent me a a link to a mormon stories podcast and i think he accidentally sent you the wrong one yeah i think he wanted (laughs) to send me one yeah i think he wanted to send me grant grant palmer's interview Oh, about okay. his article yeah. that he wrote about the laws yeah um and instead he instead didn't. he sent me richard bushman Oh, and I freaking love Richard love Bushman. It. He's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I loved. I mean, a rough stone rolling is pretty pedantic, but I really enjoyed reading it. Mm-hmm. And 
his interview was great. And, mm-hmm. and there and is And that a game. just opened the gates to all those podcasts. Oh, and it, I'm so Yeah, so that's when it. you started listening, listening to, to Mormon, Mormon stories. stories. Early, like, end of 2012, early 2013, I think. Wow. Yeah. I can't remember exactly, but... But yeah, he sent me Bushman's interview, and I would go on these runs up in the canyon and just listen, and I was so fascinated with it. And I came away from that kind of invigorated in my faith, because Richard Bushman knows all these things, and yet here he is, an active yeah. patriarch. Yeah. Right. I love that. I loved it then. I still love it. I think that's yeah. great. And, um, but I kept listening. And I, I think now's a good time to say, we love John Dillon. We love John and Margie, and I don't mean to be emotional, but those guys are saving people, mm-hmm. and they're saving marriages, and they were definitely instrumental in in making our marriage strong and get through a lot of this stuff, don't you think? Mm-hmm. And then I listened to, you know, I, I read some more books. I read, um, I'm going to forget, uh, No Man Knows My History, History which was awesome, um, and... Anyway, it just, by the end of 2013, most, if not all, of my prior beliefs about Mormonism and about the church and even about Christ and God were not intact. Right. Um, I still had some very strong beliefs. Um, I still believed very strongly in God. Um, I was starting to doubt very seriously whether or not Christ is what we've come to believe that he was. But I didn't really get hung up on any of that. I just was really pretty sure... My That was it. My shelf had kind of broke. Because I was shelving a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And I was dismissing a lot of things. And eventually the shelf kind of did break. But it never was, as, as we always say, a crisis for me necessarily. Yeah. It wasn't like an explosion. And it feels like a progression. Is it what really it, yeah. was very natural. And then I was, of course, I love Paulie so much and my kids. And <clears throat> I had heard enough and had seen enough and was smart enough to know that this wrecks people's marriages yeah. and that it can wreck families and that people end up divorced over this. And I also knew that it could wreck individuals. So along this road, m- my dear friend who I keep referring to he and I went to lunch with Grant Palmer. Oh, wow. And, by the way, all the things that so many active LDS people were saying about him were just so unfounded. He was such a sweetheart. Just such a good dude. He gave you guys good advice. He gave me some wonderful advice. He, and, and he gave it to me and my buddy. He said, hey, look, if you're going to leave the church, you have got to replace it with something else. Mm. Because you have a value system that holds a lot of things intact, that holds a lot of things in place. And he said a lot of people actually lose their minds by leaving the church or by having a faith crisis, not just Mormons, but in general. And he really admonished us, hey, make sure you're replacing this value system with something else because you need it. And I took that very seriously, and I could see... You know, I, I was seeing people around me that were kind of falling apart as they were losing their faith, as their shells were breaking or whatever you want to call it. And I did not want that to happen to me because I wanted to be there for my kids. And I wanted to be there for Polly. And I did not want our marriage to end. And You know, I didn't want that. So I took it super slowly. And I kept on doing a lot of what I think I could fairly call now mental gymnastics to make it work for me. 
And I don't regret that. It actually did work for me. Um, and we stayed active. You know, we stayed active for a couple years that way. Um, I was struggling with a lot of things, but luckily, Polly's point was a good one. We had an amazing Lord. And our bishop is a good friend of mine. I love him. And he's a really smart guy. And he's a really open-minded guy. I mean, the bishop roulette thing is real. And our bishop, <coughs> we, we I mean, we won yeah. the lottery for sure. He's just so rad. So we stayed. I kept teaching. I had gospel doctrine callings. Um, I taught elders quorum. I was made a high priest. I, I was in the high priest group leadership. So I taught that sometimes. And, and I actually really enjoyed that. I really, really enjoyed that. But I was constantly coming at things with a nuanced perspective. So when he would teach, I'd be in the front row yeah. and shake my head if he would go too far. I, I love that the women are the barometers. <laughs> and he'd look at me and I'd just give him the look like, don't you dare. Like I would look at Polly and she would give me the signal and I would, so I'd back off. But <laughs> Tone it down a little. <laughs> but I raised some good issues and I, and I, or at least I thought I did. And I tried really hard to affect change from within. Because I believed that it that once I was out, if I ever was out, then I would just be dismissed. People aren't. I mean, right. we, we see that. We don't listen to the people who have left. Yeah. Yeah. So, and for whatever reason, that's fine. Yeah, Polly, let's let's go to you. Take us back through like that time. You see the progression, right? And and you know like how he's feeling. But Talk I don't about think this. I knew fully how he was feeling. Because was it why? Was it behaviorally nothing really had changed? I mean, he's still going to church. He's yeah, still teaching. he's listening to his podcast, but is he talking to you after he's listening to these? Yes. He would send me a few to listen to. <laughs> he, I don't think, maybe I'm just not aware, and I was just in baby mode, little kid mode, but I knew he had issues with a lot of things, but I didn't know that they were that strong to want him to not be there a member of the church mm. you know what I mean yeah. I just thought kind of like everything else we would kind of find a way to justify it and just keep going I didn't know how badly some of the issues were like hurting him and his heart or so and to be fair I didn't know that I didn't know that yeah either. so I don't feel like he was keeping it from me I just think he was just well, we talked about this no. earlier. We talked about it a lot. I mean, you can tell I'm a talker. Yeah. And so I would come home and be like, oh my gosh, this and this and this. And a lot yeah. of the stuff I had heard before. I was before, like 2013. This is like in the last few years. 14, 15, I was talking a lot. And he, yeah, he was Polly way was into so the podcast. And he'd get in the car and he'd be so excited to share stuff with me. And sometimes I would just look at him with tears and I'd be like, I don't want to hear anymore. You know, like, I can only take so much. Like, this hurts. Mm. And he would—he was very kind and respected my feelings, and he would pull back. But I knew he wanted to share, and I didn't want to be in the dark, but I also was comfortable in my bubble. I didn't—I'm not like Justin. I don't need to dig and dig and dig and dig and read every single thing I can. I'm happy with what I know. I'll take a little piece here, a little piece here. But I was content where I was in my bubble. Mm-hmm. So he would share things with me, and some things were positive things, like all the Givens books, we went and heard them speak, and yeah. all those things were great, but sometimes he'd come home and he'd be like, did you know this about Joseph Smith? Did you know this? And I'd listen, and then I would just be, I don't know if I was nervous or scared, but I would just be like, I can't, 
You know, you know, well, you can only it, take well, too much. And whether yeah. it's true or not, it it it, it, it threatens this happy it bubble totally that you have. It threatens and, it. And I don't mean uh, you don't use bubble yeah. as a negative thing. It's right. just like I'm comfortable yeah. here. What? Yeah. Don't try what to doing? get me out of it. Yeah. Don't. Knock my body. Right. Off, and you're not looking place. for the information. Yeah. And you want to be supportive. Yes. But you also don't want to hear it. Right. You know, it's right. like, it's tough. I want to hear okay, talk. Stuff. And I'm going to put my yeah. hands over my ears. Yeah. It's so hard. Yeah. It's so hard. So, so I just it, tried to be there and be supportive, but I don't think I knew where you were until that retreat. So, yeah, yeah. tell us about the retreat. Because so. We actually did a session with John and Margie before we adopted Ziggy, so about two years ago. Yep. Remember? We went up to their home. Almost three years yep, ago. Yep, and just talked about faith and where we were, things like that, and it was great. Yeah, so helpful. They're so sweet. They're so good. And then a couple years after, I one mean... One year after. One I year think, after, yeah. Justin's still going through all this information, and sometimes I was a little worried and threatened. Oh, and at this time, I think we were going to church every other week. Yeah. Every week was too much for Justin, I could tell, and I have... I'm getting older kids. They right. don't want to wake up for 9 o'clock church. Right. <laughs> it's like pulling teeth, you know? <laughs> and we had like a mass exodus in our exit Mass in exit ward. in our ward. Like, so many people really? left. Not from faith issues. No, sorry. We live in like, these tiny oh, bungalows. Kind of sorry. Okay, got it. Tiny got it. bungalows. And it just, I think it was like 11 or 12 families just left. Tons. Just happened to leave at the same time. And my girls, like, didn't have any friends. Mm. I mean, lots of friends in our neighborhood, but not in our ward. Mm. So getting them to go was really hard. Yeah. I don't want to, you know, that's just not a good way to start your Sunday. <laughs> so I think I was like, yeah, I'll sleep in this week. It's all good. So I feel like we were every other week at that point. And to me, that was perfect. It really was. Actually. Was so then the retreat. So Justin yeah. emailed me and he's like, hey, this might sound strange and it's right over our anniversary, but how do you feel about going to one of these, what are they called? Retreat, I think. Oh. I don't know stories retreat. Yeah. I'm not sure. And it was, and I was like, oh. Okay. For our anniversary. For our anniversary. <laughs> and I looked into it, and I knew John and Margie, and I trusted them, so I didn't feel like I would be attacked. But I think it was more for someone going through a faith crisis, so I was a little hesitant to go. Like, how many of other people that are still in will be there? So I was mm. a little nervous, but we went, and wow, it was really cool, you guys. So cool. I learned so much. I gained so much empathy for anybody going through what Justin was going through at the time. These stories you hear and these people and everyone's vulnerable there. And it just, it was awesome. It was so good for me to be there. And I feel like that helped us. And I feel like hearing Justin say, I think he, they asked you if you could say anything to me. Yeah, I, I got put on the spot a couple times. Actually, you did. I felt like we both did. Yeah. But it was good. It's because you were too quiet. Well, <laughs> and there were a lot of people in the angry phase mm. through their transition, yeah. and I think they were kind to not target me, but like it was got intense a couple times there. You yeah, know? and it was interesting. I don't think you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I was terribly angry at that time. At that time, you weren't, but you did go through a bit for of sure. Phase, and for I still sure. do every once in a while find myself yeah. being angry, but. Like I'm slowing down here. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, well, I said I think what you're referring yes, to is, is you when you said I want Polly to know. Yeah, I said I think I just want Polly to know that I'm not like I can't unlearn what I've learned. 
and I'm not ever going back there. And I didn't mean, and I clarified, that doesn't mean that I'm not going back to church or that I won't go to church with you. It just means I'm not going back to believing the way I believed. Yeah. It's, that, it's yeah, not going to happen. That was hard to hear. Because I think in the back of my mind, you think, oh, this is just a little phase, you know? Yeah, like maybe this retreat's going to help him. Yeah. I go back. Know. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was hard. And then... But I needed the space to say that, and I think that, ironically, Polly always would have been able to hear that from me, Mm -hmm. because I know that she loves me enough for that, but I I was just so worried. Mm -hmm. And they talked a lot about that at this retreat, that we as Mormons, and people in general, are taught, we are conditioned to love our spouses conditionally. Mm -hmm. Um, And John made this point really well you're not going to be perfect at loving your spouse unconditionally because you're just not, but we try. And they talked quite a bit about conditional love and Mormonism. And we heard these stories of these couples who were there who were like their spouse was having a faith crisis and their priesthood leadership, bishops, state presidents, whatever would tell these people that they should get divorced, you know, that they'd be better off divorced. And, so I think I left there thinking, okay, we're okay. We're okay. This isn't that bad. We're okay. But I also had moments where I did think that, like, are we supposed to get a divorce? Like, what happened? What happens now? Because, like I said, we've got this checklist. We've got these rules. And I'm supposed to marry a return missionary. We got married in the temple. Now what? Now what? The deal's off. <laughs> yeah, like, this was our agreement. Ooh, yeah, right. You're breaking it. Yeah. You know, it's it's really hard and... I told Justin this probably for about a year. I just said, I'm just still sad. I'm still mourning the person I married. Not that you've changed, but just, I mean, you've changed and it's okay. It was just hard, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And Justin's still Justin. And I love him for all the same reasons. And just because it doesn't have garments on and, you know, changes a few things on Sundays doesn't mean he's a bad person. But as a Mormon, you're conditioned to think that that's wrong. And it's really hard to get past that, you know? So that was hard for me. And I just kept referring to the old Justin that I married, which probably wasn't fair. (laughs) But (laughs) that's how I felt. It's hard. It's really hard hearing that he doesn't want to go back. Because then I sit there and I think, well, now what? What about our family? What about us? What about our life? Thank you for being vulnerable. Yeah. Um, So when you're you're thinking of of those things and mourning, and clearly still mourning, um, the loss of, and again, it doesn't mean that you're a different person, right? But the loss of what what once was. Right. um, Like... How are you reacting to messages about that very thing at church or in conference? Right. Because that's, that's the reaction then is, I mean, some spouses will cling to those messages and say like, see, yeah. you're, you're yeah. doing this to me. Others will react very differently and say like, no, they can't. The, those messages are actually help the, the spouse say, yeah. man, they're really not talking about this the right way. Yeah. Uh, how is yeah. that? I think that's what I took from it. I 
kind of got mad. I said, there's so many outlets and things for people going through this crisis transition, this change in their life. But what about the spouse? Mm. And that's why you guys are so awesome. Because it's like, what about us? I'm going through things. Some of them not by choice. But, you know, it's hard. It's really hard. So I think I would listen to messages. And I don't think I felt mad or angry. I just Mm -hmm. think I dismissed him. Do you, I mean, I know, like, for some people, talking it out or confiding in someone or having someone on your side is really important. Right. Did you have that? You know what's funny? I don't even think we've been this open with my family. Mm -mm. Because no one's asked, and I feel like everyone knows Justin reads and talks about everything, and he's constantly bringing up issues. And so I don't think we've ever even said Justin doesn't go to church. He doesn't really believe. Yeah, we've never really had a need to come out, as it were. Yeah. I mean, Justin's never taken his names off the church records. And I don't intend to. He still refers to himself as a Mormon. Right. You were the fir- you were the first person that told me about yeah, the, the yeah. tribe. The that's a good Mormon thing. Mormon is, is like group. the only ethnic group mm-hmm. that yep. is purely American. Yeah, yeah. first indigenously yeah. derived ethnic group. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a Mormon. We're Mormons. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. it's yep. who we are. Yep. Yeah. We're a people. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. But he's not so bitter and anti. I don't know. I guess we have a wedding coming up that they'll know you're not in the temple. I think they probably already know that. Yeah. So I guess it's not a big shock and I didn't feel like I needed to confide in somebody. Yeah. But once we did meet you and another couple, it was nice to vent and talk. And I don't think I have that with anybody else that I would feel comfortable and close enough with that would understand what we're going through. Because not only is Justin going through a lot, like it, it's me too, yeah. you know? Yeah. Because I'm again, like, where's the space for here. that? Where's the safe yeah. space for not only people who are transitioning to talk, but where's the space for their loved ones? Yeah. Right. Because you can go to church and talk about it, but we but saw really what can't. happens. You, you really have people can't. telling you to get divorced. Like, yeah. And I don't want to go to church and be the um, the lonely lady the on the pew spouse, yeah. with four kids sitting there by myself. And uh, So our oldest daughter got in a really bad accident a year ago. She couldn't walk for a few months. We were kind of down, homebound, and we didn't go to church for a while. And then we went a couple, two or three times. This is last year. And we just kind of haven't gone for a few months. And I feel like, I think I'm nervous to go alone, which is so silly. I know. No, it's not. That's normal. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, I don't have a calling right now, so that's kind of easy to not go. Right. I do say no to many callings, so (laughs) maybe why I don't have one. But I also want to show Justin I support him, and maybe I'm jumping too far where we are now. No, this is great. No, this is all, I, yeah. all part of the conversation. Yeah, I think so. So, like, do you feel like you're floating between one yes, and the that's other? that's my word. Yes. Flo- floating? Yes. Floating. I just feel like I miss going. I really do. And I think maybe this break's good for me to really figure out what I need for myself. Mm. Take away the rules and everything that I've been told I should be doing, I need to figure it out, right? Mm. 
And so I do. I feel like I'm just floating right now, and it drives Justin crazy because he's like, well, tell me. What do you want? What do you think? What do you believe? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I really, truly don't know. I, I want to be there, and I miss it, and I miss the community. Just not going for these five months or whatever, like, I feel like I don't see my neighbors or I don't, like, you really do miss out if you're not there. Right. It's a tight you group. You do. And it's, I miss it that, too. makes me feel bad yeah. for our non-member neighbors who I'm yeah. still friends with, but I'm like, boy, you, like, are excluded from a lot. Not meaning to, but you just are. Yeah. I miss that. I miss my boys in primary learning those songs. I miss, I miss a lot, but I also don't agree with a lot and so I'm just floating. I'm just, I don't know where I'm supposed to be. So when you are there and you hear messages that like sting, mm-hmm. is it because you know that it it stings for Justin? Does it sting for you? Like, how are you processing what you're hearing? Yeah, I would say both, depending yeah. on what it is. Mm-hmm. I think I would be like, oh, if Justin were here, he would not be okay with this, mm-hmm. you know? And then there are some things... Like, my daughter's 14, and the interviews, we did that March for the Children. We both totally are on the same page with that. Yeah, really the strongly same, yeah, the in same that. Young March. Yeah, no yeah, closed doors. Protect yeah. Yes, thank you. No closed doors. Things like that. <clears throat> I don't know if I want my daughter going to Young Women's right now <clears throat> and being taught some lessons and being asked some questions. I, I don't think that's okay. So I have a few issues that I do not agree with. Yeah. But then there's many more that I do. Can I ask you, have you thought about this? Because I've thought about this a lot recently. It's exhausting to, as a parent that is concerned about some lessons that they can learn there. And a lot, there's a lot of good lessons that they can learn, but it's so exhausting to have to go through the manual (laughs) every single week to be like, am and I okay with it going? What's yeah, being taught. like, yeah. And, yeah. and is some yeah. some teacher going to go rogue and teach something that they shouldn't, <laughs> yeah. or is the bishop going to pull her in for an interview? And I just don't know, and I don't know about it. Totally, and, and it's it's it is a little it, overwhelming. It can get really exhausting yeah. to kind of be to kind a of referee. have to, to kind of be a yeah, referee yeah. and go through that and yeah. go through yeah. that and like I have to pull. Am I going to have to pull my son in after church every single Sunday and ask and say, what he learned what in primary learn? and then try to get through? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a lot. I was talking to Katie before we, you guys came over today and was just like, this is so, this is just hard. Yeah. It's hard to have, to, it's exhausting to have to think about it all the time and think about what to say to the, the kids. The kids, that's a whole other topic that maybe we can get into now. Oh, my heavens. And yeah. I mean, organically, we kind of yeah. are. It's just, it's. it's and difficult. I will say. I, I, um, <clears throat> it is exhausting and it's, it, it doesn't have to be like, Ooh, to teach me, please. <laughs> well, uh, we don't go. Yeah. Right. That's and, your, that's your solution. <laughs> and right. you want to know what we, we, we were talking about this. You guys, we've never had family home evening regularly. Wait, I'm sure there were a few months where <laughs> like, when I had one child. We put together the big <laughs> kit with all the books and the pictures and the games and too. all the oh, stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we do it once or twice. Mm-hmm. Right. Right? Um, but we never were every week, right? We are having family home evening. We still call it that. Yeah, us too. Like every week. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it works. And it it's not on Monday. 
It's on Wednesday, typically, and if it doesn't work out on Wednesday night, which is the night none of our kids do anything, so we're always home, we do it. We find some other time in the middle of the, the day on a Saturday or a Sunday, or, and we discuss things. And we've had some amazing conversations with our kids. We're not singing a hymn. We're not reading any scriptures. We don't, we're not confined to talking about a gospel, in topic. quote, topic. Mm-hmm. But we can still talk about, like, sexuality, mm-hmm. and we can talk about uh, alcohol and drug use and the importance of education and spirituality. Or and, read a poem or, yeah. Or right. prayer or service. And it's, I mean, we're taking the values that the church instilled in us that we, that we still hold dear and we're applying them in our lives without the church. Yeah. You're using it in a way that works for you. For us, yep. And the yeah. Dillons told us to do that. We sat down with the kids a couple of years ago and we said, what are our family values? And we threw everything out, wrote it all on a board. And more than half of them are things they learn in primary. Like, they learn good things. Right. Good values. Yeah. Be kind. Love one another. Be healthy. Do you know what I mean? And I think that hit me too. Like, you know, this is okay. Yeah. This is okay. And to your point, we can teach all that and we don't have to tell our kids. I know this is an uncomfortable word for some people, but we do not have to tell our kids that it's a sin to masturbate. Mm -hmm. And I know the church is now saying that they backed way off even discussing that. But come on, we all grew up knowing that that was a sin. Right. Right. And I think our kids still are growing up thinking and being taught sometimes that that's a sin. We don't have to correct that. Yeah, so you've ex- you, your answer to how do you extract the good things mm-hmm. from the bad, your answer is, we'll just, we won't go, and we'll teach them. Yeah. And with it, we are losing a community. Right. And Polly is mourning the uh, loss, without putting that in, in your, you yeah. know, saying that for you. We are mourning the loss of our community, of a part of our community. The, I mean, look, some people are weird. I mean, we've been in that ward for 15 years. Like, we really, truly... We love a lot of those people. people. Yeah, of Just course. not going a little bit. You guys, it's crazy. You get out of the loop. Yeah, and it's weird. It's like we've totally resigned and left the church. It's weird. So, it's like yeah, have they like, come to knock on the door and talk to you and ask you questions? Not really. A little bit. I mean, people have left mm. us cards now and again, and that's probably my fault that they haven't, honestly, because I think they know. I mean, I, I've taught a lot in our ward, and I was a pretty vocal person, and I don't think I was ever rude, um, but I think that they, I, I don't know, I, I, my ego tells me that people don't want to get into it with me because I might, like... Because I'm going to argue with them. Right. <laughs> because I will. Um, they maybe feel threatened that you're going to... Yeah, I hope people don't feel that way. No, I but don't think so. I think that people just... I think they just know... I, I don't know. We have an amazing ward. And I think their perspective is, the Browns are fine. The Browns are good people. We know the Browns. The Browns are fine. Yeah. Mm. That's, I, I guess that's good. That. Maybe they're not too worried yeah. about us. But I am mourning... We do mourn the loss of that community. And yet... I do not mourn the loss of having to sit my daughters down and one day my sons and and reteach some crazy idea that in order to be worthy, they have to be able to say yes yeah. and no to a list of questions. Yep. And adopting Ziggy brought up a lot of things, oh. too, with the church. He's black. Right. And, you know. Mama bear. 
she was not talking about it, but like Mama Bear came I out. used to love it. Like I would sometimes just poke Polly <laughs> with <laughs> with like a Did like you a, know with like a racist yeah you know mention of something in our church, and Polly would just be livid immediately. Just how can people think that? How can we teach that? And you yeah. know because and it, it becomes so protective. real. I don't think you go into primary and being taught this. No way. That was one for me. Another really big one was, um, Polly mentioned it, these interviews, yeah. the, the worthiness yeah, interviews. Kids. We went to do us to have Ziggy. Wait, let me, let me yeah. s- Go for just it. say, I never had any problems with interviews as a team. No, yeah. Pers- pers- I, never did. I never <laughs> did. I didn't even know that people did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They felt uncomfortable, but I also was a good girl. Yeah. So they were easy. Good girl. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what does that mean? Just I know. I mean, like, there are other girls who were doing those things and okay. they were not bad Let girls. Me just okay, I see that. what she says. Yeah. I never really had anything to confess. Right. Yeah. You may want, you know, mm-hmm. I just felt Did like you get the easy. questions, like the same questions the boys had? I don't know. I never got those questions. I don't so. even think they asked me if you I masturbated, if masturbated. No. because we talked about this the other day and I was like, they don't even ask girls that. And Justin's like, yes, they do. I'm like, no, they don't. I never got right? asked that. Yeah. Yes. So well, it depends. People don't really talk about it in their youth. What did the bishop ask you? What did but the bishop ask you? Yeah. So yeah. if you didn't yeah. experience it, you think everyone just experienced what you did. Right. right. So if, yes. for example, I did get really bad questions, but I just thought, well, oh, that's what everyone gets. So yeah. even in the moment, I didn't think like, this is preposterous. It was just that, that's kind of, yeah. I was in. So that's yeah. what the experience was for everyone. Yeah. And you know what? I didn't get a lot of really obtrusive questions. Mm-hmm. I, I, I had bishops who who were good about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know people who did. Yeah. Right. right. And reading, you know, the stories, that. the yeah. stories, yeah. break your heart. Right. So I don't mean to get overly emphatic about yeah. the race and the priesthood. So our, thing, when but... we did adopt Ziggy and yeah. he was sealed to us, which was amazing, you guys. So cool. And I'll say the same Justin. thing. I would not trade Such it. Such a, it was great, a great experience, experience for our family. So our girls at the time were 12. Yep. Whoa. Was she only 12? She... And 10. Ziggy was sealed to us right before Ellie's accident. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So 12. So and that was recent. Yeah. That year was what? A year yeah. and a half ago. Yep. Ziggy was sealed to us. And I didn't know this, but our kids go and get a temporary recommend to go mm-hmm. into the temple. Oh. So it's not the same as your 12 year old one for baptisms. Nope. It's a little bit different. Yep. So we both had agreed years before we had kids. When our kids go into be with the bishop, one of us will be with them. We've always just felt like that's a little strange that they're in with mm. an adult that we mm. may not know. Yeah. And I wasn't too worried because we have an amazing bishop who we trust and love totally. But we were both like, yeah. And I was with the baby. So Justin's like, I'll go with them. I was like, okay. So Justin took the girls to get their recommends. Ellie was 12. Millie was nine. Um, I thought it would have been like a baptism. And I don't know. I think. Simple questions. Right. Yeah. And I, we knew, I knew that the law of chastity question could and probably would be asked. We went in to to do this interview, to do the temple ceiling with Ziggy. And again, I knew the law of chastity question was coming and I just thought it'll be okay. So this is at a time when we're going to church twice a month mm-hmm. at most. Um, and in the summer months, even less because we're always camping or whatever. Um, and it was like, that th- th- That will be fine. If anything odd comes out of it, I can easily talk to Ellie can, and Millie afterward. Or jump in if needed. Yeah, or jump in. We'll really be there. I really love my bishop. Happen. He's such yeah. a great guy. So it was like, 
it'll be fine. We got to ask those questions. It'll be fine. So we did. They went through the thing and, and it's, it's, you know, yeah, he asked awesome. Ellie, do you know it. what the law of chastity is? And Ellie said, yeah, can you explain it? She started explaining it. She was not doing a very good job. She's 12. She's 12. Right. right. So I interrupted and I said, and my bishop was grateful. I could tell that I did. And I just said, Ellie, the law of chastity is that you don't have sex with someone unless you're married. And she's like, oh, oh, okay. And and then the bishop goes, and I feel bad because I know that he's trained to get a yes or no answer. Right. So he goes, well, so do you have a problem with that? And Ellie gives him this kind of weird sideways glance and is like, uh, I'm 12. <laughs> <laughs> and the bishop was like, okay, like, well said, like, we're moving on. Right. Yeah. And then he asked Millie, Millie was nine. Do you know what love chastity is? It was roughly the same thing. And, and he, he was good about saying, okay, good, let's move on. Like yeah. he didn't, he didn't push for like that. He didn't. Yes linger. No. Mm-hmm. He didn't. Um, cause again, he's a really good guy and that was it. We moved on, but then we're out in the car and this is right around the time of the Sam Young stuff. Yeah. It's fresh on my mind, on our minds, I think. And you know, I'm listening. I, I think I listened to an Infants on Thrones episode where they talked about the, the lawyer guy, I think from wherever talked about grooming yeah, and, and how sexual predators groom people, kids and it just, it was weighing on me. So I asked my kids in the car, I said, so Ellie, Millie, let's talk about this law of chastity question. And, and you know, we were, we're very open with our kids. So we were just discussing it and I don't think you were with us. No, but it came up. You kind of let them know like, Hey, if you answer that you are having issues, like things, there's rules in the church and there's consequences like you won't be able to take the sacrament and things like that and Ellie was like what yeah I explained that they might you know that the bishop might say hey you can't take the sacrament for a week or two it just depends maybe not maybe yeah just depends um maybe longer I don't know so I just I was like so Ellie if you were 16 or 17 or 25 or whatever age and you weren't living the law of chastity what what would you say and right off the bat she just said oh I would just lie (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, okay, what, why would you do that? She's like, well, what? So I'm going to have to sit in sacrament and not take the sacrament in front of mom. Mm. Then mom's going to know something's wrong. And she's like, then my neighbors, the neighbors are all going to know. Mm. She's like, I would just lie. She's a good, honest, sweet kid. <laughs> <laughs> so for her to say that, we were like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. She was very straightforward about it. So then that was kind of it for me. Mm. In terms of if Polly, I'm not really going to make an effort to go to church anymore because it dawned on me that if we go, then my girls are going to be active, somewhat active, and they're going to be in the young women's program, which means they're going to be exposed to these interviews. And the interviews by themselves are not healthy, in my opinion, teaching girls to place their worth in the hands of another instead of... I, th- I love the idea of guidance and instruction, and I know that that's a big part of those interviews as well, and I, I celebrate that part of it. But the other part of it, having to determine your worth through another person's eyes, in my mind, is not healthy. I think that these pe- my kids need to grow up to learn how to claim their own authority yeah. and how to be their own power, right? And to have their own relationship with God. I'm, I feel like I was faced with kind of 
an irreconcilable or an unreconcilable, not the right word. I could not reconcile that position because if I'm active, my kids are active. My kids are going to go to these interviews. I don't believe the interviews are healthy the way they stand now. Mm -hmm. And I know that asking sexually explicit questions of, of anyone is not healthy. Mm -hmm. And so, okay, well then Justin, you can just go sit in the interviews and, and you can, you can make sure that, that your kids are safe. And I thought, yeah, you know, that's probably true. I doubt I made it clear. We made it clear to our Bishop Rick, do not interview our kids without us. They were very respectful. We've been saying that for years. Yeah. And, um, so it's like, yeah, we probably could avoid those things. Hopefully mm. we could, we could take that chance. I think that that's pretty safe, but so I go sit in, in every one of these interviews and I'm letting my kid, and this is what I learned through that experience. I'm letting my kids be exposed to something that I don't think is good for them. Yeah. Okay. Then they just don't have to do those interviews. Okay. So now my daughters are going to young women's and they don't get to fully participate. Right. What happens when the young women go to do baptisms for the dead? Yep. My girls can't go because they don't get to answer the questions. And now whose fault is it? They could be picked on for that or or maybe not picked on at all. They could just feel picked on. Yeah. They could feel like they're in the out group. They could feel like I'm an ass for not letting them go through these interview questions. So it just... And what about when you have your boys? Mm. If I'm not going to let my boys have those interviews... They don't get the priesthood. Yeah, they don't get to pass the sacrament. Seventeen-year-old non-deacon. <laughs> That's not going to work. Those are that, those are rites of passage for our young men, right? So that they just don't get to participate in. So it's it's not really a community at all at that point. So I just thought this seems like an untenable position for me. Mm. Harm my kid, harm my kid, and that was kind of it for me. I kind of just decided, you know what? I don't I don't know if this works anymore for me. Yeah. And at the same time, Polly, you're like, wait a minute, I still like it's some of these things. Still, that they're... A lot of it still works for me. Yeah. yeah. So hard. So how do you do that with the kids? So we are taking a break from life. For oh my gosh, I can't wait to yes, go and get into a, this. This is, this is what I want to get. This is a perfect segue. Okay. Perfect. I feel yeah, like I'm floating. Yeah. My children are amazing. And the funny thing is, is none of them really ask, why aren't we going to church? No, none of them want, like, yeah. say, like, I want to go. Yeah. Or Our little, our six-year-old has said, like, twice in the last, like, four months, like, oh, we should probably go back to church. And I was like, you want to? And he's like, yeah. I was like, okay, buddy. You know? Mm-hmm. And then life just gets busy, whatever. But none of them really miss it. And that makes me sad, too. Because sure. I feel like it's my fault I don't know. As an adult, I feel like I was raised in the church and I had a great childhood. I loved going and I feel like I got a good foundation, a good base. And now I'm older. I can kind of pick and choose what I want from that base, what I need. But I feel like I'm not giving my kids that base. And we're trying with our values and things, but I just don't know if that's enough. So again, I'm floating again, right? Here we are. So we are in the process of selling some homes and we have a little window. Justin's going to go to law school fall 2020. Now you have to go. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Which, by the way, it's, it's is like super commendable, I think, because 
like it's I guess, I guess they call it your second act, right? Yeah, like sure. like you're kind of later in life and you you like decide to change yeah. things up. So I know I'm like if this is a midlife awesome crisis, for you. I'll take it. I'll yeah, take it. I'll take it. Law school. Law school. For your school over a portion. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, could be worse, right? Yeah. yeah. So our family has this window to just travel the country, and we're going to take off for a year and just travel and be together. And I feel like I need it. And okay, what are you traveling in? You gotta yeah, give us I mean, some more. I imagine it would be a Winnebago or an RV <laughs> of some point. Oh, you would think. <laughs> Mini Winnie. We are traveling in a school bus that has been gutted and turned into a tiny home. I want to say a schoolie. Um, it is darling. We've seen pictures. Okay. And it is awesome. It is so for the cute. listeners. We'll post. You, yes, we'll, we'll post a picture pictures. on Instagram. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Very you cool. can follow us, follow our journey, and I think it will be good. I think I will be able to, That's Justin will be with us, and I feel like I will have time to focus on what I need, what we need. We can hit different churches, we can go hit LDS churches, I don't know, maybe I can find what I need for myself. Yeah. What are you looking for? What what specifically are you? I just you don't want to be to get floating. Out? I want to find where I'm supposed to be and just feel grounded. And the, and that's so funny because to be grounded, you're going to run uh, Around all the over the place. All over. We are. <laughs> and, and maybe I won't find. I don't think you mentioned for. how long do you plan on being gone for? About a year. So everything has to work out right. I mean, right. We're, you can imagine that's a huge undertaking. It's huge. Yeah. yeah. And it's going to cost a lot of money, and we've. The practical one. <laughs> we're laying the plans <laughs> to make sure this happens. Yeah. But those things still have to happen. Yeah, it might be right? nine like we're months. We're selling a Our house. Our goal would be a year. Yeah, it might be six months. It might be nine yeah. months. We sure. might not leave for six more months. We don't We don't really know. Our goal is to leave pretty quickly and to stay out till the middle or end of next summer. And then, like Polly said, if all goes well, will go to law school and probably go to law school somewhere out of state. Mm -hmm. And so we just kind of have this window right now where it's perfect. Yeah. It's a perfect chance for us to go have this experience and be together. Yeah. Teach our kids already. They're learning material. Things don't matter. We're not mm -hmm. taking, we can't take a lot with us. Right. Party of six on that bus. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it's going to so feel real, good. real close. Real We're going to get to know each other real good. We have a, a, a couple of friends that did that for six months in the Pacific. Awesome. Um, and uh, the second couple we ever interviewed, Matthew and Lindsay Kerr, they, they did the same thing in a Winnebago yeah. for, for 12 months around the U.S. And they, it's just a life-changing thing. Yes. I, I imagine a lot of listeners are the same as us as super jealous like very That's very cool awesome. and it's, it's very be so motivating yeah so motivating awesome. and, yeah our goal we've yeah. always talked about doing it one summer let's take three months and just go explore go do what we need to do and just but get we just out never there. really have the right chance to do it and right and now, the older yeah. your kids get the more kids you have it's just right. hard it is so this is our window it's like pretty cool so and i will say justin's can i say you've had a rough year Oh, yeah. He Super lost his father year. last year. Yeah. Um, Lots of career changes. Career changes. Hard stuff. Yeah. Family issues, business. Just been hard. Changes and faith changes. It's just been a lot. Yeah. So you get to hit the reset button. I and think yeah, this I think will so. be a Go good on the road. reset. And why not? Yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Well, we will have to have a follow-up interview yes. when you get back. 
or we'll meet them in the road on that's the road. Right. Let's let's plan to meet up in somewhere cool. Georgia Park. Are you a baseball fan? I would love I would, that would be great that would be fantastic well before we sign off first of all and even before we thank you thank you I'll do that <laughs> twice what is there anything that you wanted to make sure you shared or said or any message to like anyone listening that either of you wanted to to end with and if not that's totally fine yeah. but no I did think about that I was thinking if they asked me if I needed to give anyone say advice. anything to somebody in my shoes yeah. yeah because it is hard being the spouse that is supporting the other one who's leaving or left or having a hard time I would my advice or something that helped us was just take your time you're no hurry Go slow. Just figure it out. But there's no rush. Mm-hmm. You know? There's no rush to leave. There's no rush to learn everything. There's no rush to do anything. Just take your time. You know? It's, yeah. a, big, yeah. it's a big deal. And yeah. maybe that's just what I needed. I didn't want to be pushed or forced to read anything or look into anything or have Justin just be done with church. I needed to just have it go slow. Yeah. yeah. Good advice. That's very good advice. Yeah, I think my advice is very, very much related to that. If it's fair even for me to be giving advice, I would just say, if you're in my shoes, the the shoes that I've been in, which is that you're no longer believing this or that or even everything, first of all, the other side can be brilliant. Mm. And you, you can get through it, and it, you know we kind of grew up with this construct that only faithful Mormons are happy or that they're the only happy people. And it's just not true. It's just not true. I think most people know that that's not true, but we did, we, we were taught that. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> it's very happy on the other side. There, there's a lot of hope. There's a lot of goodness. And frankly, there's a lot of goodness and happiness and hope if you stay. Mm-hmm. If you find a way to make it work and you want to stay, great. That, then that's for you. Um, and then I would say if you do go through these issues or if you are going through these issues, just remember that faith is a precarious thing. It, it is it is a foundation to how we identify and relate to and perceive the world. And Grant Palmer's advice was good. It, you can go crazy. Mm-hmm. Don't undermine that. Be careful with your spouse, with your parents, with your friends. Be careful with their faith. It's hard. It's hard. And there were times when I pushed things, and Polly was really good about telling me if I was being too pushy about something. But there were definitely probably times when I said things I shouldn't have said. And I would just say, like Polly said, take it slow. On both sides of this issue, take it slow, you know, that's it. I would, I would say that. And I think it was good, too. You asked a question, Katie, in your, your, kind of in your format, like the future. We explained our bus and law school and things like that. And you yeah. said you, you mentioned something about um, what blessings have we gotten from this. Yeah. So definitely, like I just said, there is a lot of good that can come from this. Mm-hmm. And for me, there is a lot of good that has come from this. I first and foremost feel 
like I'm living a richer life. Mm. And I know that that I, that's not because I have changed my faith. It, it just is. I do not feel confined as much by the boxes that we create. Though I know I'm still confined by my own boxes, right? We replace one narrative with another narrative. But it's just a liberating feeling to be on the other side of this experience. Um, I feel richer and more fulfilled in my own personal life. Mm -hmm. Very, very happy with that. Mm -hmm. Um, I also feel closer to Polly. I feel like we have had to go through something together. Mm. That's difficult. Yeah. I mean, we've seen counselors, therapists, life coaches, like, don't let me make it sound like it was all good and easy because sure, it of wasn't. It's not. Yeah. You know, it's hard. It's hard. It's sad. It's hard. It tests everything you've learned growing up LDS. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, that's why you're so much closer is because you've been put into a yeah. situation to work through. You don't yeah. look for a hard situation like we need to get closer let's let's go through a faith crisis yeah. or well, let's change something no, very core to our beliefs but it's yeah. right but there's there's a blessing to yeah. to totally. the, sitting in the discomfort totally yeah and so i feel a lot closer to polly i feel like we're better off um i feel closer to my children mm. i i really <clears throat> see a bright hopeful future for us as a family it, it it's so there are blessings that come from this. I've I and coming out the other side and and I've disengaged from a lot of this stuff. So I probably sound like I'm all in it, but I'm I I'm not so much anymore. Mm-hmm. I think I've said that to you guys yeah. at right, dinner. Like right. I just stopped paying attention and I'm listening to like Malcolm Gladwell again. Yeah, yeah. he was listening to every John DeLynn, every yep. everything I could get my hands on. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to say that, but every podcast out there I feel like he was now I'm free to study history again and I'm free to study sociology and psychology that was a long yeah time of his yeah that grabs you yeah that sort of like mental space and capacity you were at your max when you were in your faith you just couldn't add anything else and now that you're 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 setting you're done with that and in, in a sense right yeah. in, in a sense you're moving on and you've got the bandwidth mentally to to do the Other stuff things. that you used to love, yeah. Yeah, and there's so many good things out there to learn about. Mm-hmm. Like I was explaining with our family home evenings, we are not confined to a scripture. Mm-hmm. And I don't. I, it's probably not fair to use the word confined, because I'm, I'm guessing there are listeners who are thinking, dude, I don't feel confined at all right. by mm-hmm. my family home evening, right. and that's fair. Yeah. But it's just whatever. I mean, we can talk about any value or anything that we think our kids would be beneficial for ourselves and for our kids. And it's, it's a very liberating, fulfilling feeling. Yeah. That's great. Well, this has been Justin and Polly Brown. This is Alan and Katie, Marriage on a Tightrope. Please follow us on Facebook, Marriage on a Tightrope podcast, Facebook group. And you can also follow us on Instagram. At Marriage on a Tightrope. And um, Justin and Polly, do you guys have a blog that you'll be doing when you, mm-hmm. while you travel? Go ahead and plug yes. that. Can we plug these guys too? Please, yeah, plug whatever you would like. But we didn't yeah. say their name. Go ahead, plug your plug Peculiar. the group. Peculiar. 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 I don't remember their website, but I think if you probably Google Peculiar Peculiar <laughs> Pride Festival, I'm yeah. not sure. Um, then I think you'll find, find it, and I can edit it out. Yeah, I'll type yes, it up. And our it. cute kids will be in charge of the vlogs and 
Fun times ahead. Get She's excited. She's going to vlog. That's fun. Yeah. Um, six of us in a bus, the number six with an underscore. Okay. Six yeah. of us in a bus. And this was a big commitment. I mean, we had a mini farm at our house. We had... You guys, they had the they had a pig. A mini pig. The pig and the hedgehog. And the bunnies. And the and bunnies the dog, and the dog. Cat. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Are you, will you... Is it safe to say you'll really miss your pets? I miss them now. Yeah. Because, Paul, Paul, you're like an animal, animal lover. Animal lover, lover. Yeah. And I don't want to be sound harsh. Like, we just got rid of our pets. We took months and months and found them the best. I feel like they're in better homes than they were with us. <laughs> <laughs> if that's possible. They, really are. they are so loved and so happy, and we feel so good about where they are. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, I miss Annie. I miss our dog. Your dog. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She was so awesome. Yeah. But she's with another couple, and they own another bloodhound. It's thepeculiar.org. Fantastic group. We were able to inspire share and with empower them today. parents and families to unconditionally love and embrace their LGBTQ plus children. Great. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Thanks for representing with them. Best of luck on your trip. Thank we you. are not we going. We're not going to be guys. out of contacts you are the when, best. when you're gone. Oh, yeah, we love we you can't guys. wait to seeing seeing everything you do over the next year. It's and we'll be meet up. Cool. Yes. We'll get yes. the other couple I hope so. involved yes. in this. Yes. We would so love if you have a chance to win a contest to dinner with these two. <laughs> win a contest. contest. It. All it takes <laughs> is an email. Email us. We love to go out to dinner with people. It would be very fun. They're fun. Uh, if you have any uh, feedback or questions for Jess and Polly, send it to marriageonatightrope.gmail.com. I know they would love to see that feedback as well, so we'll make sure to get it into your hands. Love it. Or you can comment on, we'll put a picture of them and their bus on Instagram, so you can yep. comment under and there on also. Facebook, for yeah. sure. Absolutely. If, if you'd like to support um, the, the podcast, you can go to marriageonatightrope.org. About midway down the page on the right-hand side is the donate button. You can donate if you would like to. If you don't want to, then, you know, whatever. Go away. That's fine. But if you'd like to support us, that would be great. Justin and Polly, you get the last word. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having us.